watching the sun rise is like one of the greatest experiences of your life. Like, it's seriously, there's nothing better than just like watching that crack of daylight, which I've never seen because I've been waking up, woken up early enough. But every time I stay awake long enough, I see it, and it's it's always magical. It's like Tahiti. Yeah. Tahiti. It's a magical place. Magical place. <laughs> and welcome to the Down Front Podcast, guys. How's it going? Thank you so much for everybody here at the Down in Front Podcast. We talk about movies, TV, a lot of nerdy things, and really just try to get really in there and talk about magical places like Tahiti. Uh, so thanks for coming out. Thanks for joining us so late on this night. Uh, we're going to go a bit of a roundtable, do things a little bit differently, because now this is one of our first times that we are recording so quickly after the viewing. So it's actually pretty, pretty exciting for that. But uh, I'm going to shoot it over to my main audio engineer, the Shredder. I have Mike. How's it going, Mike? Yo, what's happening, guys? Not much, not much. Uh, what, you, what, you, what you sipping on over there? I am sipping on a Tropical Torpedo. It was uh, recommended by the beer store guy. Um, his claim is that it's the only summer beer he drinks right now. It's pretty solid. Uh, I usually hate fruity beers, um, but this guy is has very minimal amount. It's it's just really just a hint of flavor, um, which is nice, and it is also six point seven percent. Oof! That's, yeah, it's kind of strong. Yeah, so it's good. It works. It's a uh, Sierra Nevada. Uh, beer. It's their uh, summer seasonal. Um, you didn't ask this, but I'm going to keep on just barreling through this. Uh, what I've been watching, <laughs> I started the old uh, Better Call Saul. Oh, uh, yes. so I'm, I'm only an episode in on the new season because it just started a couple weeks ago. Um, but my god, am I, I'm hooked. Like, is it a good show? It's, this show is Phenomenal. It's it's too bad the first season was kind of weak, but which it, is like Breaking Bad. But it builds. It builds, and I feel like I feel like it's never gonna get a chance. I I, I sincerely feel that like because Breaking Bad was a. It has like four seasons now though. They they they're going on. No, I know, but like Breaking Bad was a cultural phenomenon. Yes. And I don't think I I just feel bad because I think that the quality is. It's not the same, but I think it's it's in the same ballpark at least. Mm-hmm. But it will never get the notoriety. I mean, Saul Goodman was by far my favorite character in Breaking Bad. Oh, I um, love I love uh, Mike. Yeah, but I mean, but he's in it. Yeah, so, you know. I mean that I like Saul, and when they introduced him in the show, and I'm like, there is something seriously going on to with this character. It's so complex and weird, and why the hell some people call him Jimmy? And it's very strange. Um, so I was hooked when he came out with it. I was like, oh, like we get more than the backstory. And you just didn't realize exactly the magnitude of where that show was coming from. So I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Me and Liz, so Liz Pittman, who uh, mm-hmm. we used to work with all friend of us. Friend of the show. Uh, friend, friend of the show, of course. Uh, she uh, she was loving. We, we were both raving yeah. about this show and like, how hilarious it's, it was. It really is. It's, it's a little bit of a different take on the same universe. <laughs> But, like, not really. It, it still has somehow that hopelessness, which I love. Yeah. I, I go back to this all the time. I watched the last four episodes of Breaking Bad in a row. And it was on a Friday night, and I don't think I had work the next day. And I went to my buddies. I was living with a bunch of 
people and they were all ready to go. I was like, Friday night, let's party, dude. We're in our young 20s. Uh, yeah. Uh, I literally went to my living room and was just like, so I just watched all of Breaking God. That's definitely a show that deserves to be binge watched. Well, it's no, not- I was, I was just like, I'm done with tonight. Like tonight we're good. I'll see you guys tomorrow. I was just too bummed to do anything else. Because that show was so unbelievably heavy. I think I was watching week to week. Mm, I didn't. I chose. Very, I chose Dexter. Very different. I never liked Dexter. Yeah, that was that was not a good. I, I watched the last season of Dexter over Breaking Bad. That was oh, bad. Oh man, hindsight's twenty twenty, dude. Oh. <laughs> no, yeah, hindsight, hindsight is like eagle eye on that one. Eagle. <laughs> Well, thanks for thanks so much. I uh, appreciate you uh, coming on the show again. Yeah, I appreciate uh, you inviting me to. Uh, over, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. Uh, and if you heard that uh, smooth, mocha almost voice already, uh, we have the infamous Mocha Mike joining us again. As are and dare I say it, he may be the resident Marvel fan. Yes, yeah. yes, Resident oh, Marvel Scholar, Mocha Mike here. Yeah. Hey, everybody. So glad to be back once again. Um, really excited to have another chance to speak to somebody that isn't myself in the mirror about Marvel Comics and the entire MCU universe. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm really pumped uh, about this. You know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a show that I think really deserves, or at least a segment of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that does not get talked about much and does not get much attention. And I think season after season, especially this one, um, it shows that it deserves that. So I'm glad we're taking the, the time to give it its due credence um, and give it a proper send off for this season. Well, I appreciate you coming over, coming out and hanging out with us again. So thanks so much. But uh, for as we normally do, uh, what you what you sipping on, and what's something else that you've been watching? Yeah, yeah. So as far as what I'm sipping on, it's a Tuesday night here in Brooklyn. We, I'm not putting on airs. I'm in my home, in my pajamas. Um, I'm drinking a butt heavy, keeping it classic. A nice red, red and silver can. Uh, previously known as America the Beer, but that push has ended. <laughs> Just like our country. <laughs> I still think it's real to me. Ending. The country's ending. It's not quite there yet. Yeah, I know way. But um, as far as what I'm watching, I am making my way through a bunch of shows that I haven't given a chance to watch yet. Um, and the one that I'm most excited about that I just watched episode one of is Legion, uh, FXX's uh, Marvel, Marvel series that had way cooler of a first episode than I thought it would. Um, I had seen the promos and the trailers and I heard people getting really hyped about the show. And I didn't realize how serious it was going to take itself in its attempt at you know, its approach to dealing with insanity and how they show that through the lens of a powered character. So I'm crazy, crazy excited to watch the rest of that. Seven more episodes, I think, um, especially before the next season starts. So that's what I'm sipping on. That's what I'm watching. And I'm glad to be back. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. And thank you definitely for hanging out with us again. I'm really excited for you to be back on to this. I would say all the episodes that you have been on has been the most positive and the most downloaded ones. So... Definitely, thank you so much for that. I appreciate that. Welcome, Mike Effect, but I couldn't do it without the beautiful Mike Blewett and his face to push me on. Oh, oh my God. No, what? This is a Mike and Mike. You couldn't, you couldn't. This is a Mike and Mike show with us. No, officially, we are the Mike and Mike. The other Mike and Mike (laughs) got canceled, and we are now outlasting. ESPN ESPN is canceling the other Mike and Mike, so there you go. Straw, baby. There we go. 
Uh, and my name is Warren. I will be a host for this evening of the Down in Front podcast. I am sipping on a pale ale, which I'm pretty excited about. It's called Sidecar. It's by Sierra Nevada, so orange pale ale, about 5.3%. I really like this beer. I mean, the closest thing that I can think of it is kind of like a wana mango from Harpoon, but not as sweet. Uh, so, but it's not like it's less sweet. It just has more like a robust or more of a heavier uh, just flavor to it, like more like a regular beer, close to like a pale ale, but not as, I think anything like almost IPAs or pale ales taste all tinny, but it's kind of, it doesn't have that, so. Super, super good. Um, I'll definitely say another also summer beer, because apparently it's going to be up to 85 degrees tomorrow. Can't wait. Yeah, I mean, I did not bring shorts, so I'm kind of upset about that, but whatever. As of what I was watching, I've been also watching a bunch of stuff, but most recently, yeah, you find these shows in which you're laying down, and you're just relaxing, you don't want to do too much, you don't want to commit to a new show because you have to pay attention, but you want to watch something that you probably haven't seen before. So, I started started from episode one, and I think I'm at episode like maybe like 20 of Samurai Jack. Mmm. Yeah. How was that? Oh, that show is amazing. <laughs> that it's, really? It's, uh, well, first of all, I'm on, I'm on the ones where it's, it's not even widescreen yet. It's like, it was that so long ago. That show is... Just absolutely amazing. I didn't even realize some of the people, like some of the voices in the show, are some of the voices that I even like. I still like look look at because Phil Lamar does. Phil Lamar, yeah, he does Samurai Jack, but even the Scotchman, the Scottishman that's in there, uh, he's played by Joe DiMaggio, who plays. Uh, okay, out of here. Yeah, so I, I know, and I didn't had no idea, and he plays Joe DiMaggio. Yeah, he plays a ton. Uh, yeah, but not the baseball player. I was going to say, what? No, not the baseball player. The player, player. A.K. Bender from yeah. Futurama. He plays, like, oh, okay, he yeah. plays almost every voice you can think of, really. Um, love the show. I will say definitely check it out. It's on Hulu. Um, it's 20, 20, 23 minutes long, but it blows by so fast. And I just thoroughly love this show. I just love this show, like, from from everything that he does. And he, gets, like, he talks about his training and everything, so... I'm really excited to rewatch that show. When I when it was when I was a kid and it was coming out, it was such a cool show. But I always I only saw it anachronistically. Every episode was out of order, mm-hmm. and it's a show that you can watch like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like each episode is kind of like its own contained story. But I'm looking forward to just chilling and enjoying it, watching it start to finish in preparation for the new season. Yeah, yeah. No, I guess the one thing I'm like I'm excited about is that I know at one point these seasons starts tying together and it starts building. I think they're up to season seven or eight or something crazy. But these episodes start building up to something more impactful of the entire battle between Samurai, the Samurai Jack and Aku, and. Uh, I completely missed this one part of you never know what the samurai name is. So that's another question in my head. I'm like, oh, I wonder what his actual name is. Because you don't really, you didn't get that. And he's, the name he gave himself was something that they just called him. Like, oh, you do, you killed that Jack. Oh, it's just, like people were just calling him Jack on the street. <laughs> so he's like, oh, I guess my name is Jack. <laughs> he went by Jack. So it'll be interesting to see if we actually get what his actual name is. Um, that'd be pretty cool, but the sh- the show is called Samurai Jack, so there you go. I don't think it was definitely worthwhile watch. Oh yes, oh yes. Um, but tonight we will be talking about a season recap of Agents of Shield or Agents of Hydra. We're not entirely sure, depending on what actually name that you actually give the actual episode or or the season. But we're actually going to do an entire recap of this, and this is actually one of our first times we've ever done a recap. Of this TV show, I look to Mike now. I don't think we actually did a recap of this show. 
No, not no. the show. We've done other TV shows. This is our first uh, like basic cable show we've ever done. <laughs> of. That is actually very true. So it's all just yeah. been like Game That's of Thrones right. and Westworld. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody who's out there holding back from listening to you guys because you're too bougie with your content, <laughs> <laughs> you're finally reaching out to the Everman. <laughs> right? Yes, God in front does it right. Um, so, so we'll be getting to this entire season. Um, I do want to start off and says, if you haven't seen up to this season, you're probably going to be drastically spoiled. So I wouldn't wa- I wouldn't start with this episode if you haven't seen the actual any of the seasons at all. Um, so we'll probably stop for right here. Probably go back and check out some of our older episodes that we talk about movies and other TV shows. Uh, but if you do, and if you are, hop on for a ride. This is going to be a lot of fun. So we're going to be talking all about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., not only the current season, but probably all the previous seasons here. And we are also going to be talking about a lot of like uh, comic material as well as the MC universe as a whole and also like other different future things that we may be interested in and really excited about so definitely kind of stay tuned for that if you haven't heard it and if you have let's go so this season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or Agents of Hydra you know what are your thoughts on that of what, what like how would you quantify like when did this season start so to me this is one of the wins and I think it's great where they they took a page from I think we talked about this in an earlier podcast, but they took a page from like the Netflix shows, they took a page from HBO, and they made the season shorter. And in doing that, they they filled a whole 23, 25 episode season, but that because they broke it into three distinctive sections we really got these concise storylines that made sense to each other, tied into the other ones. It really felt like three Netflix series in one, which was great. Um, So, I mean, we had three big ones. Uh, The first one was Ghost Rider, the second one was LMD, and then the third one was Agents of Hydra. And I thought they did a really, like it was kind of weird going from from Ghost Rider into LMD, but like they did have, they had the uh, the nice winter break in the middle, so it was a big enough time gap in there that it kind of made sense. Um, I thought they did a great job introducing a couple of huge themes. Like we had the supernatural, and it was great because it lined up with Doctor Strange. Um, and then we had the whole android substitution thing, which is like, we were talking about this a little bit before. It was mostly messy when a lot of other programs do it, but they did it fine enough. And then it flowed into this whole like concept of the framework, which became Agents of Hydra. And they really merged the two of like, well, the only reason it exists is because of the supernatural stuff that happened in part one, but part two was responsible for like why it was currently happening. Even part two went back to the whole, uh, like, augmented humans of season three. And they, that's where they ended there. Um, and so it really did a great job of moving back and forth between all three themes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think that, you know, as far as where this move, this season started, I'd go as far back as to say that this season started during the finale for season three in the mm-hmm. after credit scene where it shows Radcliffe um you know first interacting with his with ada 
like the intelligence week comes into Isaiah. Um, this whole season, you know, like Mike said, they did a lot of different stuff. I mean, they had three pretty, pretty self-contained but ultimately connected arcs throughout. But the central focus of each and every one was Ada. Um, even if, was Ada's story at least, even though the first part was focused on Robbie Reyes, Ghost Runner, that was, you know, that was more of a red hair than any, anything because that season was about the dark hold and what it's capable of. And the dark hold is what what started this whole mess with Ada in the first place. Um, so it was really cool to see them, you know, like Mike said, do so many different things this season while still keeping a single running thread uh, throughout all of it, connecting everything. Um, I think that was a really bold move and is a huge win in my opinion um, on behalf of the show producers. But at the same time, I don't want these guys to get cocky because I think that they just barely pulled it off with the amount of time they had. Um, and that could have easily been messed up otherwise. But, you know, props to the, the showrunners for pulling it off. And, and they did kind of hastily write out Ghost Rider and kind of hastily-ish brought him back. Which really wrote them back out again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's you know like they. It was definitely like, hey, here's a serialized show. We have to enter and exit characters that aren't the main characters all the time, and it was definitely not strong the way they did it with Ghost Rider. But at the same time, he was such a good character that I didn't care. I just wanted more. Yeah. I wanted yeah. so much more. I would, I'd like the simplicity of that particular character. I think that was uh, probably, we will talk about our wins in a moment of, that was probably my biggest win um, of, this, of the show. Um, the introduction to that character, because everybody had such a bad taste in their mouth, I think from what, the, what we all look at what Ghost Rider is, and it's, you know, it's a... Uh, weird sort of Nicolas Cage version of it. It's like, well, we I think we can be a little bit better than this, but nobody, I felt nobody wanted to do that. They didn't want to touch it. They didn't want to get close to that um, uh, depiction because everybody's going to have, like, if they mess up, then you're just going to be kind of laughed at again. Uh, and so they bring in the Robbie Reyes character and the fact with his brother and how his, his family was connected and that direct connection to the dark hole and how that kind of transition throughout the entire sort of series. Um, I thought that was very interesting. I think that was one of the, my biggest wins that I, I do like about the actual show itself, just the introduction of my character. And, you know, talking about the season finale, the final, the fact that he came back and, mm. man, like, he's the real MVP of that. He's the real MVP. He was this killer. Kid. So, Absolutely. like, literally every time he was on screen, he was doing something badass. And then he left in the best way possible. I was like, "Come on! Like you can't get better than that." That's that's a that's a great character. I mean, that was a good character. But even Robbie himself went through a bit of a. He had a, a story arc. He went through a, develop, a developmental change throughout the entire season, mm. or at least this, those four, maybe six or seven episodes with him in it. And he did learn a lot. So it's not like he was completely stagnant and. Um, you you can build from something, so I, I did like that a lot. Yeah, what else on some other uh, sort of biggest wins and sort of wins that you liked about this entire sort of season uh, here, season season four? Yeah, so I could you know for one thing, this season when 
season four was still in production, ABC announced that they were moving the time slot from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. And I know a lot of fans out there on Twitter and beyond were concerned by that. You know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't necessarily get the greatest uh, rating in the world. We had just lost Agent Carter as the series. And people were worried, oh, maybe they're getting booted to a different time slot because they're getting slowly phased out. But whether or not that was the initial attention, I think that the showrunners and the writers and the creative team there really did way more, did everything that they could with that later time slot and made this season way darker and way more gruesome than any previous season. And I think it paid off like gangbusters. Um, the violence in this, this, in this season was definitely taken up a notch and was made much more visually graphic without being extreme for ABC. Um, but I think that, you know, the reason we were allowed to look at a cool character like Robbie Reyes, who, as Ghost Rider, who is the spirit of vengeance and whose whole job is to go around and find bad people, rapists, murderers, and burn their their flesh and send their souls into the into a hell mouth, you know, we wouldn't have been able to get anywhere near that at its previous time. Um, and I think that, you know, from a technical standpoint, that was a massive, massive win for this season. That's a great call. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely, I think the pushback in time really helped that out and they were really able to like do darker material, which I think in the end helped separate it from like kind of the fluffy beginnings this show had and really cemented it into like a very distinctive piece of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I have to say, I was thinking about this, like while we were watching it, I think that what Marvel does better than anyone else is gives you characters that you care about. Characters that are flawed, very much so, that you can relate to and that you ultimately like root for winning from the start. And they're, ve they're very good at taking these arbitrary people and making you really relate to them and really care about them. I, I gotta say this, like, Fitz, dude, Heartbreaking. Yeah. Over and over again, you've just this dude's been dealt the worst hands, and it's funny reading a lot of like the. So I go on the the Marvel subreddit a lot, and so they have these daily just obnoxious polls of like, what scene do you want to see in Infinity War? Oh my God, Spider Man guys! But like one of the common ones is who is the best actor in the MCU, and routinely. Uh, Ian DeCastecker, or however you pronounce his name, DeCaster, uh, he routinely beats over Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, and, like, he is amazing in that role of just, like, this kind of nerdy guy that just, like, basically has his life dumped on him from the whole start of it. Um, yeah. I gotta say, like, every, dude, the whole... Mike, what did you say when uh, about the in the finale about uh, Mac about holding is about the RC cola to Luke Cage's Pepsi? No, 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 no. <laughs> about like like <laughs> dude, my my grandma lives out in the Midwest, and so she I only drink like soda when I'm out there because she exclusively has RC cola, and I think it's oh, hilarious. Okay. I'm no, no, what do you say about, like, about him, his reason to come out of the framework? He's holding on hope. He's holding on hope. That was me. Oh, that was you, sorry. I, just, I saw it. That's why he didn't know. Yeah, that was, that was so powerful. Yeah. Like, you know, just like, 
again, you really care for them. I, I gotta say one thing, uh, one shout out. I think um, my the person who got me into the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, is this dude Dave that we we used to work with. Of course, you listen to Dave. Yeah, it's common, common listener. Yeah. Uh, and so he, me, and him always went back and forth. Just saying how absolutely wonderful it was to see Brett Dalton act. And when I first saw that, like, kind of spoiler that, you know, Ward would be coming back, I was like, come on. Yes. No. Like, dude, we saw this dude as, like, a literal, just a CGI mess. And we saw this great send-off that he's dead and gone and done and you never want to see him again because, like, honestly, let's just move on and do something else with our lives. Yes. Within the first five minutes, I was like, mm, yeah, I want to see more of this. Like, <laughs> that dude, like, very much unheralded, amazing performances, oh, playing four or five different characters. Like, that character has gone through so many different transla translations, and to see him come back and play a parallel of himself in the real world, but being, like, the good guy this time, was was so vindicating to watching the entire season and seeing him, like, very much fall from grace. Yeah, man, I, like, uh, shout-out to, to Grant Ward's actor, because I hated him so much in every single appearance from the, throughout all three seasons. I never liked him. I always thought he was a schmuck. And even as new revelations came out that he was a bad guy, especially with, with him being Hydra, I was like, oh, no, I hate you for even different reasons. Not just because you're a smarmy asshole, but you're actually, like, a shitty person betrayed everybody. Um, but I love to hate him. And as you mentioned, it's because the actor plays that role so well. Mm. Um, and it's not, you know, he doesn't do a crazy amount with his lines or his deliveries, but he does enough and you believe him in every single facet of his character, like you mentioned, we've seen so many, is fully believable and feels fully natural for the viewer. Um, so yeah, he's, I was, I'm, I'm glad he and a whole bunch of other characters got a chance to come back into the trip? spotlight. Yeah. This last Dude, year. trip! So yeah. I was, I was trip. gonna, yeah, I was gonna bring that up. I was, I thought that was another huge kind of win for this episode, like this season, because I think. There was a reason why a lot of people, a lot of these, like a lot of uh, audience members, and like a lot of us, like like these characters. We're not entirely sure why. I like Grant Ward. Uh, all the stuff I was like, man, he's really falling out. And then at one point I was like, all right, this is getting a a little ridiculous. Like something needs to change. Okay, he's kind of finally dead. And I don't watch the trailers like Mike has, but then when I watched the episode, I was like. Son of a bitch, he's back again? Like, oh my gosh. But, you know, he at least had a chance to kind of redeem himself. And I felt in season two, I believe, Trip died. Was that correct? Uh, um, yeah. There's one yeah. Sky got powers. Yeah, right when Sky. Or when what's her name got, uh, Daisy got, yeah. went through Genesis. Yeah, so she, that was the yeah, first kind of time of, like, they, at the time, Sky. Like, Terra Genesis, Trip was a badass. And his death was so quick that that was that was it. It yeah. happened. He got stuck with it. He crumbles away, and then he like blows away, and that was that was that was done. Um, so I felt that was kind of like, man, that, that's really sad. I really hope he get a chance to like shine or get some more lines or do something. 
Uh, but I guess not. All right, whatever. Uh, but you know, from this, nice you know, to see him again. Yeah, yes. it, it was great to see him, and it was really weird because he's like, uh, "Well, you haven't seen me before, so." Yeah. It was, I like that funny banter that they had with that. So you you do raise a good point with the whole like, they had a tendency to get very ridiculous, and they never hit that point. They somehow managed to juggle like interdimensionality. But never quite hit that like hive with tentacles coming out or Jai Ying talking about like, you know, the perfect inhuman. Like they never hit that, yeah, you lost me yeah. moment with this season. Yeah. I feel like it was pretty contained. And even though it, as, as ridiculous, sometimes people may kind of talk about with the LMDs and like who's real, who's not. Like it's still, like it was still very confined. Um, even to the point where, you know, they talked about like fighting Ada and literally one of the first maybe like kind of the first moments of this last episode which is the world's end um we see that not only is ada human we know that we talked about that but she has all these crazy powers but she can actually be hurt and now she she has somebody who can take her down which is the ghost rider um so i think that was very interesting of even though you have this crazy powerful being who has god knows how many powers that she's stolen from these inhumans it's doesn't it, now at that point there's going to have like a brawl between her and Ghost Rider that's going to be really awesome to see um, so I thought that was uh, pretty powerful too what other yeah. wins any other wins bit, really quick on the, yeah. the whole notion of you know like characters like Trip and how, how good it felt to see him and Ward back again um, you know they and to Mike's point as well they could have really really quickly jumped the shark with the whole Agents of Hydra se- um, you know season bringing back old characters they could have done it sloppily. They could have done it without real care or effort, and it would have looked bad immediately. But absolutely, like seeing Trip coming back in the role that he was in was great. Um, seeing Ward come back, but also so many nods to just little details about the story. Mm-hmm. Um, one of which was, you know, when Ward is talking to uh, Daisy about joining Shield, um, he mentions that Victoria Hand was the one who convinced him to join. Yeah. And that's such a cool throwback to freaking season one, yep. I believe it was, um, when, you know, she was a, 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 a not a main character, but like a secondary character from the get-go, winds up being killed by Ward later because she's Hydra. Um, and that's like a nice little touch. Like, they're really, like, this season was all about the fans, I felt like, and mm. the ones who had stuck through with the show from episode one when they yep. weren't looking that great. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it was it felt good to see those things play out. Yeah, absolutely. I like that, you know, season for the fans, because truly, if you you hadn't watched it, like, all... And I think they, they sprinkled in a good amount between, like, almost all of every season. Like, they even talked about the fact that Fitz and um, Gemma, yeah, uh, Fitz, Fitz and Gemma had talked about Ward, and like Fitz himself was, well, no, sorry, Gemma herself was talking about how much that she hates Ward and everything, and that's from season two, I want to say, of like when he like left, he basically left them to die, and I was just like, yeah. well, it, I mean, you don't know how much, and I guess you as an audience starting from season one all the way through, you're like, man, this dude has literally done everything. Well, that that was... So, I have a split on that one mm-hmm. that I thought, in the framework, Gemma was, like... Gemma was perfect in that whole thing. Like, her reactions to seeing Ward felt supernatural. Uh, I couldn't stand Daisy in the framework. But she was, like... Oh, really? freak- yeah, she was, like, freaking out over everything, and it felt like... It felt like, yeah, like, 
think about it a little bit more. You're in an alternate reality right now. You know you're in an alternate reality. Like, please just act that way. Yeah, but she was still, like, falling for the, like, same old sort of tropes of, how can you not remember me sort of thing? Right. Oh, you remember, like, whereas, no. whereas Simmons' hate for Ward felt like it came from someplace, not just, why don't you remember that you did these things? Because she recognized it, but she was like, yeah, no, I still just can't trust you. Yeah, and that's what I mean when I, when I said earlier that, you know, dealing with all this content this season, they came really close to, you know, like, to not being able to pull it off. That was definitely one of the aspects of it. Having, I didn't think that a lot of the reactions from specifically Daisy and Jethma when they got into the framework were realistic because these are like super agents for shield they were going in here with a specific mission they knew that it was going to be a different world and then for the first three episodes like you said daisy was fumbling around acting really foolish just trying to like shake everybody and be like oh wake up wake up you're not you're not real um but one thing that i did like about daisy and her reaction in the, in the framework which is from the first episode of agents of hydra the moment uh, Grant Ward like pops out of like over the, from under the covers and she sees it's him in her bed. She immediately just tries to kill him. Just like puts her hand up and tries to blast the shit out of him without a second thought. And then I just got to go chuckle on that because she hates Grant as much as I do. Yeah, I will have to say this. Uh, the I don't have a lot of you know things going for Daisy or uh, Chloe Bennett as an actress. But man, she kills it in action sequences. And I think that was a huge win in total for this season. Their action sequences were on point. Yeah. Like the CGI wasn't like groundbreaking, but my God, for like regular basic cable TV, it was really good. And it was really exciting to watch like these like Madame, Madame Hydra go to town against Ghost Rider. Who thought that we would be seeing that on like a Tuesday night? Yeah, and if that was and and again going back to going back to Daisy, like her. Again, I don't have a lot of respect for her as like a dramatic actress, but she really kills it in the action sequences. She really sells action very very well, and she she continued that this year. Yeah. Yeah, she keeps getting better. All of the characters and the fight choreography and the f especially the filming of those fight scenes is getting better with each passing season. And I, I focus on the filming because, you know, as we saw with Iron Fist, which is going to be my go-to for any sort of negative aspect of the Marvel <laughs> Universe moving forward. Um, but if you, you can have some really cool fight choreography, and that's great. But if the camera angles are whack and the cuts are lame, it takes away from the action. And there were so many cool camera angles used throughout Daisy's fights, both this season and last season. Mm. Um, and I, it's just really exciting to, to see every season. I think it was, was it last week's episode where she's fighting somebody in a, in a hallway and there are these tubes that are stacked up on the side. And there's one shot where like she delivers a finishing blow and the camera cuts to be inside that tube. And you see just this perfect circle frame of the guy getting hit and falling over before it cuts back behind her. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool camera work for a TV show. Well, they did uh, last season. I got to give it uh, – anytime I see this in an action you know, show or movie, uh, the one take from the yes. – I think it was the finale for season three. 
Where I she like she raids the building with her time exercise. She yeah, she raids she raids it and they do it in one take and it is incredible. Like again, I, you know, I as a dramatic actress, I don't have a lot of there's not a lot going for her, but like as an action star, she can sell a she can sell an action scene. But in in general, the fight sequence is really good. Um, I mean, any other wins? Uh, I, I did want to talk about Radcliffe for a moment because I felt like he love John Hanna. Yeah, he went through a huge, huge transition, but uh, you Ooh, know that scene at the end, though. Yeah, you know, and I guess the biggest thing that I want to talk about because he went through a big transition, and I, I think they alluded to the fact that the Darkhold seemed to be kind of controlling his mind a little bit, and then he kind of got woke, woken up again. Um, but I thought it was very brutal the fact that Ada kind of turned on him, trapped him into the, you know, framework, and then sliced his wrist, which means that he's, like, trapped in there. I was like, oh, well, I guess he's not coming back at all. Like, I wonder how this is going to play out, but then he's in the framework. He still has, like, all his memories and stuff from before, and he can still be, like, a like a uh, important key role, but... That was a unique way to write out a temporary character. Yeah. Usually, like... They have goofy things like, oh, he's moving to a new neighborhood, or, oh, he got fired from the job. Like, that was a very unique way to deal with someone that definitely would not be back. Nope. You know, it's like, no way. And I, I love, John Hanna was one of my favorite parts from The Mummy from back in the day. And so I was so, so excited good. to see him be part of this. And I, I have to say, dude, I honestly reached for the remote during that last scene. Because I thought the TV got, got, um... Like, cut out? Yeah, it got muted. Like, I... The sound design... So, I I wrote, like, a five to ten page paper on this in college on how sound design doesn't have to be doing something all the time. It's sometimes the the absence of, of that makes a scene more powerful. And when he's talking to himself and there's swelling of music and everything, and then it just cuts, and just abruptly you hear literally nothing... That's powerful. Yeah. That's really powerful. Absolutely. And with such good final words, too, you know, like having him sit there and being as Radcliffe as Radcliffe could possibly be, right? Musing unto himself um, with sort of this, like, heavy-handed um, literary prose and having his last lines be, like, this is how the world ends, not with a bang, but with a... And then that just being the end... It was with, like, the glass of scotch falling into the sand during the sunset. I thought it was absolutely beautiful. A way, you know, Angels of S.H.I.E.L.D., one thing they're getting really good at is giving really meaningful send-offs for their characters. When um, Lincoln and Ward died at the end of season three, that was an awesome death scene. That left me really satisfied, both for a character that I liked and was rooting for, Lincoln, and a character that I hated and could not wait to see die, Ward. Um, And they're getting better and better at that. And, you know, I'm, I'm just really excited to seeing, see, you know, seeing how that continues to play out. Right. Mike, you had a couple other ones that you want to bring up? Yeah, um, just two, two kind of small things. Um, I said this during the show. I, it, so, Ada, again, talking about, like, Ward and playing multiple characters, she played 
She played, what, three characters in one season? She played the robot, she played Madame Hydra, and then she played Ophelia afterward at all. You know, she, and she also played her, the original human that it was based right, on. Right, right. That was the fourth character. And so she, that range was incredible. One weird thing that I wanted to spo- like point out, and I, I noticed it while the episode was playing, was like, she had no makeup or very minimal makeup when she came back into the real life. And so it had this very humanistic thing. Like she was dolled up as Madame Hydra. She was dolled up as Ada because, you know, they were not real people. And then you dropped all that makeup and like kind of post-production from it. And she looked very exposed and it did a really good job. Like I don't, I'm not the type of person that would notice makeup design in it was so over the top in a good way, like not in a ridiculous way that I immediately was just like, yes, that, that works. That really shows off that underscores the character rather than, you know, impeding on how I view them. Um, I think the last thing was the sword teaser. We were freaking out, freaking, (laughs) freaking out. My hands shot up. I was in my seat. They both went into the air. I was very, very excited. Um, yeah, I did not think that at any point we get introduced to, to Sword outside of a movie. And the fact that, assuming our theory is right, and that was Sword, um, Sword Base at the end of the, the post-credits scene for the season, uh, they just opened up a really cool realm for these characters or the story to explore itself going forward. Um, so I'm super, I'm really excited about that. I mean, that's literally. So we're. I mean, the, one of the big things, one of the big criticisms about this show is that they're not part of the central MCU enough. And I beg to differ based on the connections that you know we we we've talked about or that you've seen. But I mean, my God, they can do they can do Captain Marvel, they can do Infinity War. Uh, they could technically do Black Panther, I guess, from up there, where, like, they're an advanced agency, and Wakanda is the most advanced society on the planet. They can do all of them leading up next year. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, I loved it. Every sale. Unbelievable. Mocha wins? Yeah, so, uh, man, this... I'm really excited about the season. Again, you know, like, season four, as strong as it was is a again a huge catharsis for again the fans that have been sticking through to the end um this show has been getting better and better and for the first 17 episodes uh the very first season i had no reason to expect it would be anything but utter garbage and it has completely pulled itself up by its bootstraps and continue to march towards being a real legitimate piece of this mcu canon um as mike as both of you actually mentioned earlier this ep- this season did a lot to kind of ingratiate it and inter- interconnect it with the overarching MCU tapestry um, more than previous seasons. The fact that we were introduced to another dimension now that you know the multiverse is a major focal point for the MCU. Um, I like the fact that they went out of their way to say like hell isn't some figment of a religious like a religious concept. It is an actual dimension with beings that live there, and it's a place that you can go to and from. Um, that opens up a whole bunch of possibilities. I love the, the really subtle fact, and Mike, you pointed this out when we were doing our live watch earlier, but the fact that when Ghost Rider 
creates a portal into into hell. He's he's creating a he's using a, a sling blade. Wait, was that the phrase? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, that totally was the sling blade. I mean, yeah, not really, absolutely. but like it was the same animation. And it gives this this extra layer of connection where okay, now we know that people, individuals, move through dimensions in a very specific sort of way. And the sorcerers from Doctor Strange created a tool that can help them use that. But other beings, like the demon that's inside Robbie Reyes, can do that on their own as well. But it's still connected. And it's just a subtle touch that makes that, I think, goes a long way to weaving it into the greater tapestry. Um, huge win for me again. Friggin', and you touched on this earlier, but poor Gemma and Fitz, man. These two started off in season one as just the you know, really stereotypical, um, even trite, like, Sam and Diane character. Oh, like, will they? Won't they? What's going on here? And they finally get together, and it seems like from the moment they did, the writers made it their mission to make their lives horrible. <laughs> yeah. Every single season, the most fucked up shit happens to their relationship, and they always get through it, and you're like, good, it can't get worse, and then it gets way, way worse. Yeah. Um, it was really hard for me to deal with like with brain injured fits during season three after like he sacrifices himself to save Gemma from the uh, you know from, from the ocean trap that Ward had left for them um, it was really messed up to see in season three uh, the you know Gemma getting stuck in a freaking other planet <laughs> and then having to go through that whole experience of being separated and Gemma thinking that she was gonna die without seeing him again which by the way was one of the most amazing episodes in this entire series I think um, and then this season with with them going into the framework and Gemma having to witness Fitz murder a person and know that that was his actual choice and then you know upon their their return the immediate conflict between him being in love with Ophelia and not being in love or with her during that time and her seeing him as a murderer who caused all this mass death and pain in the world it's like every even to the finale when we had to watch even though it was an LMD but we had to watch you know, Ophelia torture and slowly stabbed that Gemma in front of Fitz because she was mad that he chose her over him yeah. or over her. It's just like, it's absurd how they keep escalating just how like terrible things are for their relationship. And I can't wait to see what awful, awful things happen when they're in space. Um, well, even like, even talking about that before, like uh, maybe a few episodes ago when um, Gemma like just kills Fitz's LMD, that was just terribly like I was sitting there I was like man like they really are like and you said it you said it perfectly Mocha like they really are writing things in to tell you I don't know if there's foreshadowing or something of I don't know if this relationship can be sustained because it just the their actions of the stuff that they're getting into I feel like the reason why they're in these situations is because they're together because before they didn't seem to have that issue but the moment that they said that they want to be together. Everything was kind of falling apart. Um, but, you know, they still last. They still lasted through it. They still lasted through it. So I think that's something very interesting. But, um, you know, even after the time they got out of the framework, they still hadn't quite had the conversation to, like, talk to each other to, like, reconcile exactly what happened. They just didn't have time, you know? But um, that's that's something very interesting. And I, I do like that point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that adds into like you know they were able to do a lot more dark things with this season and you know Mike had mentioned earlier how or actually you mentioned it Warren how intense it was to see Ada murder Radcliffe in his physical form before putting him into the framework that scene if it was done at 9 p.m. in season two would have been like 
he would have made a face like, ugh, and then you would have seen from behind that he had a piece of metal sticking out from his back, and then it would have gone back to a face shot, and he would have fallen over dead. Mm-hmm. But no, instead, you see this moment of realization in Ada where she goes, oh, okay, so if you're dead and in the framework, then you're fine. And then she legitimately slices his wrist, and you have to see all of it, and then she pushes him into the framework machine, and you know that his last moments uh, alive on Earth were being murdered and having that, like, that dawn on him that he lost uh, like that's really intense and really really grim mm, and I don't think we could have seen that otherwise so again another shout out to the changes they made this season because so, um, I think it, it played off majorly um, Madame Hydra seeing Ada as Madame Hydra was fantastic her first of all her costume design was amazing she looked so badass the slight green in her hair wasn't I was overdone. gonna say it the slight green man like that killed it what was that? the slight green was amazing it yeah, wasn't like it was full cartoon. It was impactful. Yeah. Yeah, and I never thought I'd see Madame Hydra in the MCU, and I never wanted to. Like, there was no reason for me to see a Madame Hydra, but this version of Madame Hydra was really, really cool, and I think perfect for what the TV show was capable of adding to the to the overall story. Um, so, like again, like huge shout out to the creative team for this season. They made a lot of really, really smart choices. Um, and then finally, something I want to shout out about the show in general. Um, it's really cool for me to see this show, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., introduce so many really awesome Latinx characters, you know, between mm-hmm. Yo-Yo, who is absolutely awesome and definitely a fan favorite, um, to even, you know, Joey, the Inhuman from the previous year, who was also like a homosexual male, to Robbie Reyes, who was the coolest aspect of this season, you know, or one of the coolest aspects by a white margin. They're creating these really interesting, dynamic, meaningful roles for Latin actors and actresses. And I and it's for someone like myself who is Puerto Rican, who is Latino, it's really cool to see that happening on TV. Yeah. Um, and I think that like they need to be recognized for that because they're doing a good job with it. Yeah, good. Yeah. I am and I I don't know, I don't think anybody can argue against that. I would hope not anybody can argue against that, not only here, but just in general of I think he had even said it. It's something interesting just to look at, you know, what sort of Latino or Latina characters do we have in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and just in just the movies alone that aren't, you know, put on there as like side characters and kind of comic relief and actually has prominent roles that actually gets character arcs and you can actually see them as maybe even ha- having one of their movies on their own. So I, I don't even know if there's a character in the MCU that. Now, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in these seasons, they've inserted multiple characters at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that was a very powerful I mean, thing does, to do. does Marvel even have, besides, what is it, uh, White Tiger? Marvel? Let's see, we got and White Ma- Tiger. Miles, Miles Morales. Miles Morales, who's Puerto Rican. Um, let's see... They, they do a decent job with the diversity... Robbie Reyes is in Latino in the comics as well. Yep. Yeah, so they're making strides there too. And that's, you know, if we want to talk about diversity in Marvel Comics, that is an entire podcast in and of itself. (laughs) Um, Just because there's a lot going on on that front (laughs) nowadays, especially with some, some uh, I was looking for, problematic comments by one of their executives about how diversity is actually hurting their sales, which is complete bullshit. But again, I'm going to rein myself in. But yeah, there aren't too many Latin characters that are really meaningful in the comics 
and we have these characters now in the in the TV show. I think that Yo-Yo can absolutely hold her own in an MCU movie. Her, I think that Robbie Reyes can totally hold his own in an MCU movie. Um, and I'm excited to see, you know, what else is going to come out of this production team, this creative team, as, as say, in regards to creating more diversity and creating spaces um, for representation for all the different type of people that call Marvel Comics, you know, something that they're fans of. I would. I don't know if Yo-Yo could necessarily support the whole a whole movie, but I, I would, would definitely, definitely not, not by yourself. I would definitely recommend checking out her web series. I know we talked about this a little bit before, but like, man, it was really good. It was really good. And the effects they do for her are very unique to like... Oh, man. Because it's this... not... It's not a... She's not a speedster. Like, that's what makes it kind of cool, where she's not Quicksilver. She's not the Flash. She's something different. And the way they do the effects in the web series is really, really interesting. Hmm. Yeah, one of the coolest scenes this season was when was during the... I believe it was during the Ghost Rider arc. Um, yeah, it was during the Ghost Rider arc. They were hunting down the guy who is essentially the molecule man for the MCU now. Mm-hmm. And uh, Daisy is walking into this hallway, and the molecule man had set up. And that's my name for him. They haven't officially crowned him as the molecule man, but he may as well be. But he had set up that trap where he ignited the hydrogen in the atmosphere to create this huge fire explosion. And we had that awesome scene where Yo-Yo realizes it and springs forward to save Daisy. And in slow motion, we get to see her running while the gasoline and the tunnel around her is slowly exploding and enveloping her. And it was phenomenally executed. It looked so cool. It didn't look cheesy at all. And yeah, just another example of using those, those powers to... and. That enhanced budget is a really cool effect this season. Sure. So, as much as we love the show, I'm interested to talk about some of the criticisms that we may have. Um, could be about the show, or we can kind of confine it to the actual series. But uh, what do you guys think? And uh, just like criticism of you know season four of uh, Marvel Agents of Shield or Agents of Hydra. So I mean, I can I can start off. Um, I mentioned this during the wins, but they. I think they barely got by with doing a good job of packing in so much um, to the season. And I'm concerned that because of its success now, they may continue to try to do it and possibly get a little bit reckless with how much they try to put in. Mm. Um, so it's not really a con, but I'm trying to nice in terms of my hope for them to maintain this sort of notion of having three full arcs in a season moving forward, and I hope that they don't get too big for the britches and can still tell really compelling stories, whether it's in that format or not. Um, Also, you know, another con is that it's unfortunate, but there are so many limitations to it being a TV show, and there are so many limitations to it being an ABC TV show specifically, and the showrunners showed what they could really do with an increased budget in in Ghost Rider this season. His effects were amazing and incredible. But, you know, how, because so much focus had to be put onto him when he was on screen, characters like that can't really exist in multiples throughout this, this series um, moving forward. And so I think that's a, a con as well, and it's kind of out of their hands, but the limits of the TV realm are really holding back this show, even though it's doing a lot with what it can do already. Um, General other kind of like like criticisms. There's still some. There's still a lot of moments where you know you're watching a TV show, 
as good as the acting can be and as good as, you know, as compelling of a story they're putting together, it still feels like you're watching a TV show and it still feels like you're watching TV show actors deliver their lines. And like you had mentioned earlier that Chloe Bennett is a badass ass guy when it comes to physical combat, but you don't know how much you count on her for dramatic, for dramatics. And I feel like this applies to, every, to really everybody except for, you know, Colson, Fitz, and Gemma. I think those three are like movie star quality right there. Mm. Um, but Melinda May is a great character, but her lines always come off a little bit off for me. Yeah. Um, She's kind of one, one note almost, it feels like. Yeah, and that's sort of her character, but also I think doesn't need to be. And they, they show that this season her character got to show a lot more emotional depth given the you know the story arc of her LMD expressing its emotions to Coulson and the concern of her LMD trying to or having that dealing with that existential breakdown when she realized that she was a robot and what that means, um, you know she can do that. But I feel like most of her lines come off in that flat, single tone, and we saw it go straight back to that when she was an agent of Hydra. Mm-hmm. Same exact thing, right? She's the badass in the room and she says things without emotion because she's emotionless and she's a killing machine. Cool, but this is one of like six main characters that we get to watch every day. I want a little bit more out of like her and the other actors and actresses. Yeah. And I mean, I completely agree, Mike. Yeah, uh, a couple things. Um, Sky, yeah, it's been four years. Take an acting class. <laughs> like seriously, she's by far, besides action scenes, the weakest point of the show. Mm-hmm. And I, I will even live through uh, May is just like non non-engagement of anyone else I'll live through that but Sky man Sky the show is working despite her you know which is it was too bad because I think she's a really cool character who could really become something uh one of my other big so I had two big things for this season um I guess let's start from the finale Ada's limited power set <laughs> Teleporting and lightning. That was it. Like, just oh, give me... Hey, you know, we've been like... running this world for eternity inside here, and we've been experimenting and studying every single human in existence because we've rounded up them all in camps. But, uh, yeah, our floor, the final form, we're just going to give her lightning bolts, and she can't die, and also she can teleport away. And that's just it. Nothing more. Nothing needed. Yeah. <laughs> it was absurd. Yeah, they took the two biggest inhumans besides Quake, that we've seen so far, uh, three right because Jaing was healing. That was I think yeah. that was her big power, right? Oh well, she was yeah because she was always yeah. yeah. So they took like literally the three biggest like superpowers that we've seen so far and just like made it into one character. And uh, who was it who was saying that like we should get uh, magma coming out of their hands <laughs> or something? Yeah, yeah. So, like why can't but, she like spit? You had a carte blanche to just do whatever with the character, and you, you just did the same thing. But so, this looks into my con from earlier about how, because of the budgetary confirm, con, con constraints, they can't have Robbie Ray as on screen and have Ada doing a different special move every single time she attacks, which is what she should have done. Her character, when she came back, should have, been, should have had a different move every single time they tried to fight her before she bamps away. Um, but you just can't because it's the limit of their budget like, and that, that Lightning, lava, like anything that's coming out of her, like I feel like you could have just, you, you just, you color it different. You know, like you just, it's the same graphic, it's just colored red instead of blue. You know, like I feel like they could have done that. 
Yeah, anyway, they, could have, they could have stretched it, I feel like. It's a small nitpick. I, I, I loved... I loved that character. I thought Mallory Jansen did an amazing job with it, but I guess you're right. Like, special effects-wise, it just wasn't in the budget. And I guess the last thing, I'm still waiting after season one for that Avengers tie-in. Yeah. Just, like, you cannot tell me some of the things they've gone through has not deserved... Especially with the Inhuman outbreak, like, my god, give me some Avengers. And, like, this season wasn't as bad, but, like, I, f- I still feel like there was a couple moments that, you know, when Robbie Reyes was officially the Ghost Rider, like, yep, one of them should have come out and checked this out. Because we're getting to the point where Robbie Reyes and Quake are probably more powerful than... Uh, Black Widow and Hawkeye. Then honestly, you you get into a point where they're 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 bigger than like Falcon, easily probably Bucky, you know probably honestly you could you could even make a case that Quake is more powerful than Iron Man and War Machine. She could single handedly dismantle their armor if she just gets one hand on them. Not even, quick, not even oh, a hand. She just, she just has to. She just has to emit some waves and just crush. It literally would just crush the armor on them, and they would just yeah. be a pulp because they're inside a metal. Like they're they're getting to a point where these characters are so so arguably more powerful than their Avengers counterpoints that like how there hasn't been a reaction is a little bit upsetting. I get it. They sort of wrote themselves in a corner when they said, okay, we're still S.H.I.E.L.D., but we're, we're secret S.H.I.E.L.D. and no one can know, know about us. Um, you know, because now every season has to, they have to do their things without being on TV so that it can't interact with the Avengers. Um, but, you know, like you said, like they need to just write themselves out of that. Get them connected into the greater MCU. You know, you spent all this effort creating these characters on the Netflix side and on the ABC side and we already saw through the ABC shows a major amount of of crossplay between Agent Carter she's been Mm -hmm. in so many different Mm -hmm. films and her history is so important to the MCU she got a TV show okay cool so that that chicken came before the egg but with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. all these characters are coming in get them into the game you know I'm really hoping that when Infinity War or when Avengers 3 comes out uh, you know, the Russo brothers have already said there's what 68 characters or 64 different characters that have existed in the MCU in there. That, but you know, yeah, it's something, uh, something it's, it, like incredibly large, and I want to see them in there. I want to see Daisy, you know, especially now that she has her gauntlets back and doesn't have to worry about her bones shattering, which I thought was a cool touch this season. Give us a reason to limit the character, um, but now that she's back in Shield, like let her go all out on some Chitari. You know, let's let's see her. Even if it's in a small scene, doing some work. Because, like you said, Mike, she can roll with the big dogs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with um, a lot of the criticisms you guys have. And, like, just to echo on a couple things before I talk about my couple of them. Mine's also a bit nitpicky, but at the same time, I, I do want to pose a couple different questions of, really? Uh, mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, going off of Mocha's <laughs> component of it, uh, the scene that I... Arguably, it was kind of cringeworthy, and I think both of you guys had mentioned um, 
You got stagnant dialogue, you got one character that's really trying, and the other character that just simply cannot get at this mode, as we know. You have the flashback moment when um, uh, Agent Coulson and May are breaking into that Russian like prison or the Russian establishment. And um, Agent Coulson is definitely flirting and is like super cute, and you can tell he's kind of nervous and he's kind of younger. And he's 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 very still charming, but he's like turned on like a different component there of hey he's using a couple different tactics to to get closer to you, and I can actually see in his dialogue like I'm much softer, I'm not as confident as I am in the current as this is clearly in the past, and then Agent May is the same that we see her now and we see her back then. So I'm like man. In that scene alone, it was like somebody's up here and the other one's down here and just literally not getting anything back. Um, and I, I think I don't think it's, it has anything to do with her acting ability. I just think it's a character, character choice that I really was hoping that they wouldn't keep going through. I like the fact that you were talking about like, hey, her, you know, LMD kind of showed her a little bit more range, but then at the same time, that's not her character. Like show her character give her that range and be more sort of dynamic about it stop being kind of as monotone like i know you you can you can be a badass but you can still show feelings and emotion and cry mm. and be softer and still be a badass um so that's more the the piece about uh, Mame. um you know the other piece that kind of really kind of bothered it did bother me a lot is because i, I think they really for some reason they put dialogue or they put certain focus on certain characters to say, hey, yeah, this is still a TV show. Like, let's up to campiness weird things a little bit and um, let's do some stuff with, like, Daisy to kind of show off that she's still an awesome computer hacker. Let's put a couple jokes in. Um, and it's to the point where it just felt like a lot of the characters and some sometimes some of the writers or directors or whatever actions they gave them didn't really take it seriously. Um... And that's why there's a feeling of, yeah, this is still a TV show. Because it, it, at that time, there was a, a lot of crazy shit happening. You're in a completely made-up world that people can die at any point. Everybody should be a bit more serious about what's happening. But they're being more light about it. It's like, oh, we're not going to take it serious up until it comes to like the final episode of the series. And now we'll raise the stakes and be more serious about it. Whereas I feel like you need to be serious much, much like earlier in the process. Um, and I guess from there, that's when I actually got the, uh, the sense of, well, you know, this is still a TV show. I know this is a TV show because there's two more episodes in the season. And then the se and then after that, they'll be a bit more serious of how they're actually going to be doing more reactions. And this, this episode alone called The World's End, you can tell everybody here was a bit more on edge and it was more impactful than was happening, especially with the moment that we get with Mac. You know, I understand what they're trying to do there. Don't think it quite worked because a lot too much other stuff was happening at the same time. Because uh, arguably that same time with Mac and the fact that he's given up his daughter, that we don't know how he lost his daughter or, or what actually happened there. But... You know, my 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 couple biggest things is you know they really focus on certain people's deaths or a, a potential deaths that's going to happen, and they really kind of glazed over the other ones that us like well you know the patriot, kind of sort of just he he just died, 
and they had a couple of lines to talk about it, but that was it. And they didn't really like linger on that at all. It's like, well, I thought he, they, they built him up to be a kind of prominent character. I'm glad they raised the stakes to take get somebody out, but at least give him something to do besides hold up a building. Like, that's kind of that's kind of weird. Also, a quick take on the on the Patriot. He died in the in the Russian like sea base, which collapsed in on itself. They didn't take his body out yet. In this episode, Talbot goes off about how they. I uh, did the autopsy of the Patriot's body, and like they have questions about it. I'm like, oh, did you really like dive down at the bottom of the sea and dig all that rubble to just get this guy's body? Oh, no. so in the last, so in the last episode, they had said that oh, uh, they had found his body washed up to the shore with his face like beaten in bones and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, they said that in the last episode. I was like, wait, hold on, how? Okay, that's how? still a reach, but well, yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. So I guess my thing is, I was like, all right, well, you kind of glazed over that death. And I was like, all right. Mm. That's kind of weird because you you made a lot of focus on this guy and his name is literally the Patriot and you're destroying something that's very that you're saying is what you fight for justice. Weird. Okay, I get it. But then you build up Ada to be this crazy powerful being now that she's not you know an android anymore and she's supposed to be all all powerful. She has a, like three four powers that we actually see it on display. But she goes down very quick, almost a bit too quick, and doesn't get any redeeming factors at all, which is fine, which I get it. But if Ada, as an android, had like actual, you know, programming to say that this is why she wants to kind of turn, I don't know how that programming goes from something that's programmed to you to like now she has a physical live as a physical live matter. She should have a chance to then think a bit differently from that. So nobody's innately evil. There's a reason why you're evil. You're evil because the fact that a guy that you're in love with doesn't love you back? Or what else is there? And I felt like they kind of wrapped that up really quickly to, that she's evil just for the sake of being evil. All right, she's kind of done. We, kinda, we can, we, we can kind of go. And so I felt that like they kind of wrapped that up a, a bit too quickly for me. And I'm like... Really? Like, that's, that, that was quick, but alright, you know. That's, that's my quick, another quick take on the Patriot, this just dawned to me, but I wonder if it was intentional in any sort of way on the writer's part that they had the Patriot, who was this living symbol of American patriotism, um, die by being crushed to death in a fake world created by Russians. <laughs> like a world of fake news created like, while being imprisoned by Russians, crushed to death for hundreds of white Oh my god. <laughs> I see you, writers. I see what you want You know that person's like, <laughs> nobody's going to get this at all. Uh, that would be good. I mean, it's a possibility. Yeah. Some writer somewhere is like sitting in his room in the dark and he pushes up his glasses and goes, I am the Patriot. <laughs> <laughs> Hear my pin uh, roar. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I mean, those are like that's the majority of my criticism. I'm gonna try. I'm trying to keep it confined to just this season of the ones that I've actually seen. Um, but it was very odd. I mean, also Talbot getting shot in the head and the, the next line was he has a pulse. What? Hold on. That's no. That's kind of difficult to no. And then you're telling me that. Talbot is in this secure facility that somebody literally walks up, bust, bursts into a room, and shoots the 
But is he like the director? Well, he he's the war general. He's he's the general on the shield. Yeah. yeah. So it's a little no. No one would have stopped Daisy though. Like that's the point they were trying to make that like she because they had an LMD of her that like she could go anywhere. Mm. Well, okay. what, so that's where I thought they were gonna go tell it when they came back to him and said, "Oh, he has a pulse." I thought, "Oh, well, he's gonna be an LMD, and they're gonna see that he has robot like robotics inside his head, and then that's going to." unravel things or help things be, work better for the agents and they didn't really go that route mm-hmm. um, I don't think they necessarily didn't say that he was an LMD but they just kind of brushed over it like they rub his head with rubbing with like alcohol and put a bandage on it and that's about <laughs> it and that was just some weird shit if, it's not, if he's not an LMD then that needs to be explained yeah. immediately I mean unless they're they're literally that, that's how they're gonna get rid of a bunch of characters because you know we looked at this end of this um, show and you know the time freeze and we see everybody kind of eating and hanging out in the diner, which was an awesome shot. I really like that scene of yeah. just, hey, we're just hanging out. And even Colson says that, you know, we haven't even been, like, you haven't done like this in a long time. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Uh, but then the only character we see during the actual sort of like stinger or, you know, the, the next sort of scene is Colson is the uh-huh. only person there. So, you know, they can also arguably say that this is almost not, not hit and reset, but they can do whatever they want right now from these actual characters. And Talbot could be gone, and they really got rid of a lot of other characters from before, and they could kind of start over. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, with that, uh, I want to say thanks, everybody, for hanging out again. And, of course, thanks to all of our listeners for hanging out with us. I know it's a bit late, depending on where you are. Um, but thanks for kind of bearing down with us, because we're really excited about some of our next reviews that we're going to be talking about. We threw out a couple different titles, but we're probably going to be coming back sometime this week for another review. Um, so definitely stay tuned for that. Um, uh, but with that, you know, I'm going to go over to uh, Mocha. Where can we find more of your work online? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on Twitter at MochaMikeLI. I mention this every time I bring it up, but um, that motherfucker, that 48-year-old jazz band playing son of a bitch who won't give up my accounts he has his myspace profile linkedin is about me all right oh. this guy has to go we gotta get rid of him all right he gotta get rid of him and we gotta get me just at mocha mike but for now loving audience please follow me at, at mocha mike alive for twitter and if you want to see some cool photography work you can follow my work there at just at mocha mike um as it's supposed to be <laughs> we need to make a hashtag and get that trending to get that dude off like for sure <laughs> Uh, the Shredder. Yo, what up, dudes? Uh, you can find me at uh, minus underscore band for my band work. Uh, you can also email me personally at uh, lmdjesse uh, <laughs> at, at gmail.com. That's, uh, that's, that's life model dick toy. Uh, <laughs> LMD, in this case. Life model dick toy um, at gmail.com and so that's that's where you can find me. Oh man, they get better and better every episode. <laughs> Eventually, I'm just gonna create a compendium of all of these email addresses. Oh, please, so please, that'd be awesome. Uh, and uh, my name is Warren, uh, and uh, more of my kind of personal work. I tweet a bunch of like random stuff. Uh, typically has to do with drinking something. Uh, so my personal Twitter is going to be uh, at Action Jane. That's Action Jackson, but 
AXT, I-O-N-J, and I also have another, another sort of a brand that we're kind of talking about from like wine pairings and food pairings called Friends Blends. So please feel free to check us out. If you do like a typical blend or wine and cheese, or you say you find yourself randomly go to a wine and cheese party on Saturday, that happened. That happened, Mike. It was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had, a, I had a blast. I had a blast, yeah. Um, so if you do find yourself at those wine and cheese parties, feel free to tweet at us, talk about like which one's your favorite pairing and why. Um, so that's going to be at Friend with Blends. You can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. For the Down and Fun podcast, you can literally find us a bunch of different places. So we're on Twitter, we're on Reddit, we're on Facebook. So I know on Twitter, we're at, at DIFP, that's at Down and Fun Podcast, the underscore before. Uh, we're on Facebook at Down and Fun Podcast as well. You can find us on Reddit, you can find us, our podcast on Lipson. We're actually on a Patreon, so definitely go check it out. Check us out on Patreon. We're trying to do more content as much as possible just to get our voice out there. We're actually going to be, um, uploading another live reaction from the most recent one on uh, YouTube so definitely check that out that's going to be kind of a new thing and we're really really excited to listen to feedback to see how we can actually make it better so I'm pretty uh, pretty pumped about that um, and with that I want to say thanks so much Mocha thanks so much Shredder I appreciate everybody coming out and uh, have a good e- evening and enjoy peace out guys Bye. Bye. and humans are among us <laughs> <laughs>